0: is revolting with robot and stevel on the cycling independent <laughs> episode i don't
1: remember fuzzy buddies 16. what I, I think it's 16, Could be 16. 16 right now. i think that's right 15 or 16 yeah uh, content warning we're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes you might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up. if you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. we still love you uh now, having that out of the way um, I want to say two things. one is that I have totally switched up my recording environment uh and so if I sound less like I'm in a fifty gallon barrel and more like I'm in a, an enclosed closet. <laughs> which like one bad move is gonna I'm gonna die underneath a avalanche of shoes and bowling pans and fucking whatever else people keep in closets. Uh and secondly, this is the third time recording in my closet, but we scrapped well no, we scrapped one episode. We did, what was it? We did two episodes about shitting our pants. And the first one was really good. I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> uh, however, something, we had some kind of a technical glitch. And yeah, I screwed it up. Nothing, that no, none of Robot's part got recorded. So we tried it again the following week. And it just, I don't know. You it weren't, just, you weren't just yourself. I wasn't feeling it. I, f- you know, when you, when you have these, uh, when you have these amazing exchanges with somebody and you cover a topic as engaging as shitting one's <laughs> pants, <laughs> you know, and it was like, we knocked it out of the park the first time, second time, it just felt like we were going through the motions.
0: Ironically, it's as if the episode itself had shat its pants. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah. It kind of, it kind of did, and maybe we can cover some of that topic today. Uh, well, let, let's see. So two weeks ago, you were not feeling well, and I yeah. I don't think we've covered any of that. You were oh. you were ailing in a number of different ways. Currently, still, you you're kind of underneath some bullshit.
0: Yeah, I had so I had diverticulitis, uh, which is a uh, an inflammation of the colon. Uh, a.k.a. the large intestine and um, yeah it's this thing where as you get older and what I learned what I learned uh, in researching it was that the only risk factor I have for getting it is that I'm over 40.
1: Not much you can do about that.
0: No I just think it's fucked up that my existence could be a risk factor. <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, just, well, you're you're living yourself to death. I mean, we all are. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, that felt very unfair to me. Um, uh-huh. So I had the diverticulitis, which was painful and tiring, and then I kind of got over that, and pretty much what? Yeah, and then and then just as I was sort of like, all right, I'm back on my bullshit. Um, I got bitten by two ticks. Which both promptly turned into the telltale target rash. Congratulations, you have Lyme disease. So I, I got in touch with my doctor right away. I got an appointment right away, which felt like a pretty good trick and they put me on the antibiotics right away and I was like oh I I totally beat Lyme disease because I don't have, feel bad at all I just have these rashes and I'm taking these nuclear antibiotics and I'm going to be fine but then like f- three four days into the antibiotics I crashed on my face I didn't literally crash on my face but I was I think I was watching I became too tired to watch TV you know <laughs> like Uh, And is
1: that, I mean, I've heard Lyme disease is like, it's like uh, mono, like super mono. Like you just, you just are out completely out out of gas. Yeah. So is that an effect, uh, an effect of the Lyme disease? I believe. Or is that the antibiotics or both?
0: I think it was the Lyme disease. Like I had a low level headache and I was just crushed with fatigue. I spent like two days with my hands just over my face, just, just not functional. And then I think the antibiotics finally caught up with it. Uh, the coolest thing about the antibiotics is that it makes my piss high viz.
1: Oh, good. Are you drinking like gobs and gobs of water? Oh yeah. Okay, good. Antibiotics are so hard on your system. I mean, I love them and I'm glad they exist. But it's just, it's like a carpet bomb, you know, it fucking kills everything.
0: Yeah, I didn't take them for the diverticulitis. Like the doctor was like, I think you're going to get over this on your own. And I'm not really trying to take antibiotics for this exact reason. I just think my my lack of medical degree tells me that, um, you know, the more you take them, the less they help you. So Mm -hmm. like you should save them for when you really need them. Like if you Mm -hmm. have a disease uh, that wouldn't be cured otherwise. And this is a fucked up thing, too. I was saying to my wife. You know, I'm, I'm 50 and I am was like, you know, I'm 50 and I got Lyme disease. I'm actually not 50 until next month, but I'm basically 50 and I got Lyme disease. And if we lived in a different time, this would just be the thing that kills me.
1: Yeah, we are definitely living outside of our, like we as a society are kind of living outside of our, our fighting class, you know? I would be, I like, likewise, I would be dead by now Yeah, for a myriad of reasons, but one in particular being just a horribly misdiagnosed, uh, appendicitis.
0: Oh yeah. You would be dead for sure.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. So thanks to modern medicine. Yeah. We're still here, but we're now we're just polluting the gene pool cause we shouldn't be, you know? Yeah. Technically natural selection should have taken us both out.
0: Yeah. Well, I i mean, I had had a vasectomy before any of this happened. So really, I feel like the if we're going to restore order to the universe, and maybe this is a good idea for population controls. Like once I had my kids and decided I was going to have a vasectomy so as to exit the gene pool, when they like did the prep for the vasectomy, they should have said, yeah, uh, Mr. Lewis, just come out here behind the barn. Uh, and wait for the doctor here we're gonna put this nice eye shade on you and they should have just taken me out
1: just oh i was totally imagining you putting your junk on a stump and it getting smashed with a hammer so you're not done you're not you know you're you made new kids and so you're you don't get to exist anymore that's where you were going
0: yeah that's where i was going i was just like you're superfluous to the to the cause of mm. human biology, you're just taking yeah. up resources now without, you know, serving the cause anymore. So, and frankly, my nuts on a stump with a hammer is about what my vasectomy <laughs> felt like.
1: Uh, you're welcome.
0: I feel the like visual, I did everybody. get delivered that experience because, you know, I don't know. They shoot, they shoot your nuts with Novocaine. It's not Novocaine. I'm sure it's not Novocaine, but they, they like some
1: kind they, of anesthetic.
0: Yeah. You're awake And they just Uh like, we're just going to put this area to sleep. And uh, they hadn't done it enough. And he started to work. And I was like, that didn't work. I can Um, feel it. Yeah.
1: And then. Yeah, that's, that's actually kind of a fear of mine. Besides getting trapped, uh, I was reading an article about um, cave divers who get turned around and then, and then, and then die in caves. Um, So like, that's one of my neuroses mm. uh, but another one is to come out of anesthetic mid-surgery oh uh, yeah Might come to and
0: i think i have a similar one which is like sometimes if i'm falling asleep in the car i i make myself stay awake because i'm like you driving <laughs> no as a passenger because <laughs> uh-huh. one of my nightmares is waking up in an accident uh-huh Like there's no reason that we would have an accident just like the few times that I happen to be falling asleep. But can you imagine a worse way to wake up from a nap?
1: Uh, have you seen, there's always videos of, uh, like trucks being towed, uh, backwards. And then the cars following the tow, the towed trucks will get up super close. And then like the passengers sleeping and they get like right up to it. And then everybody (laughs) screams (laughs) at the same time and they wake up and they see the truck like right in front of them. Hilarious. (laughs) Like, like <laughs> actually giving someone so much stress that they, it could possibly kill them. Uh, super funny prank Yeah, to do to your friends.
0: I feel like it is a brilliant prank, but that I would not take it well.
1: I wouldn't. No, I don't. I, well, and it, it sort of depends on the, the mood I'm in, but also like my nervous system is so fucking ravaged. Right now, and hmm. has been for the last couple of years. That anything like that, any sudden like starts or or you know, like it just it's it's too much for me. So
0: I feel the opposite. I, I, I feel like uh, the things that shock other people. I'm like I'm just dead inside. I feel like if I crash my bike, I land on the ground, and I'm like yeah. here I am on the ground. I don't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I just don't have feelings about
1: it. <laughs> uh yeah, that actually that kind of tracks too. Yeah. Um that's fucking that's a sad commentary, really.
0: Or, like I shoulder tagged a tree riding my bike the other day, and like thirty <laughs> seconds later my buddy Bruce was like, Did you did you clip that tree? And I was like, Yeah.
1: Yeah. <sighs> I uh, did, it anything. hurts. It just helps me feel alive. Yeah. It hurts, but yeah uh I, for some reason that reminded oh we, we used to i was riding in forest park in portland with two friends of mine years ago and i would ride into a puddle and like i got a pretty good front wheel flick like i can flick a bottle or an apple yeah. or a pile of horse shit or whatever i just <laughs> did like a good front wheel flick and i looked and just this wave of water <laughs> washed over my friend daniel <laughs> and he's riding, and it's cold you know like it's like it was not the nicest thing to do, but it was super hilarious. And just the look on his face, just like, well, you know, I guess I just live down here now. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just, yeah. it wasn't. He was, he wasn't mad, and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't particularly engaged. He just, like, yeah, uh, that now happened. Now I'm, now I'm wet and cold and, <laughs> and wet. That's
0: that's a hundred percent how I feel. Like this is just how it is now.
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad. I mean, you're feeling a little better.
0: I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yesterday, I I went we went to this um, uh, Mexican place uh, a few towns over from us on, I don't know, a day of the week. And uh, I got a big plate of tamales. And I would say that medical science should look into the curative powers of tamales, (sighs) at least as they relate to Lyme disease. Cause I feel like I felt one way before I ate them and a different way after I ate them.
1: Was it a better way after you ate them? Yeah, much better. Okay. Uh, well, Mexican food is the best. Yeah. You know, if I, it's always my go-to if I'm stuck on a stranded Island and I get three things, I always ask for like endless Mexican food and then a helicopter full of money. (laughs) Those are my three things. (laughs) (laughs) Which would actually, I mean, as I understand, flying a helicopter is super complicated, so I'd be (laughs) fucked anyway. I just have a helicopter to sleep in.
0: Well, what you've done is the classic um, unacceptable uh, infinite wishes wish.
1: No, because it's not infinite. It's three things. Those are three things. I guess I'd probably give up the Mexican food for a pilot. <laughs> <And> <laughs> but have, and have the pilot fly me. you to some Mexican food. <laughs> but we have,
0: you'd also have to leave some of the money behind so that you and the pilot could get in the helicopter.
1: Yeah. but Yeah, I, and money's I, heavy. Yeah. I mean, not that I know for sure, because I only ever have like three single dollars at a time. But. Yeah. Bags, bags of money, uh, bags of paper. It's a lot.
0: Well, my buddy Mike gave me 10 single dollar bills this morning for a thing. And I was like, do I am I supposed to lap dance you? Like what?
1: <laughs> I like to keep lots of singles because it. when i pop in my wallet and I see all that green, I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, Daddy Warbucks? Yeah. You know, even though I I only have twenty five dollars in there, but it's twenty five singles. And then it feels like I've got some means I, I only carry money
0: for just whoever's making me coffee. I'm like, here's a dollar. I don't even care yeah. that the coffee was only $2. You can have one additional dollar. Like, I don't care.
1: Yeah. I'm a, I like, t- I like tipping. I'm yeah. a big tipper. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, w- uh, well, last August, just the, my tip. friends, uh, uh, hired me to work the door and do bar back at their bar. Oh yeah. And I worked two nights uh last summer and then and then I was never really called back I was just kind of <laughs> like junior varsity like B team yeah but then they asked me <clears throat> about a month ago if I wanted to come on and like actually fill out the W2 and get on the payroll and get paid with a check and get tipped out every night and um uh first night was I don't know 2 weeks ago or 3 weeks ago or whatever and uh it was fun But so, I don't, I've never worked until four in the morning before, and I was just absolutely fucking crushed the next day, so I was like, wandered through life in a daze, and then took a nap and then woke up and it's like, it's not weird for me to wake up or it's not weird for me to get dressed and get ready or whatever to go out. And maybe you'll have a four o'clock return, but the idea that I'm actually getting dressed and getting ready to go to work and I won't be home until four o'clock is a totally different energetic experience. And, um, and it's kind of fun, you know, and the time kind of flies like I'm hustling and there was, so many goddamn people in there this past weekend. Um, I just basically walked outside, like I, I was just checking IDs and and stuff, uh, outside because it, it was just there's just too many people. It was giving me cause kind of skeeving me out a little bit. Uh, but now you know, there's the Washington state, you have uh, vaccination requirements to be inside, uh bars or restaurants so I'm looking at IDs and then I'm looking at vax cards and now everybody needs a booster so everybody's fucking showing two vax cards and it's just a shit show Uh, why did I get on that though? oh tips, at the end of the night the bartender tips me out and it's like you get this fucking wad of cash Yeah. and all I did was hang out at a bar like now finally I've been hanging out at bars long enough, I figured out a way to get paid to do it (gasps) you've gone pro <laughs> yeah, you didn't realize like, what an
0: amateur you were before. Now you've gone pro.
1: <laughs> well, they say, I mean, what is the 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 hallmark of being a professional? Anything is you get paid for it. So if you're a professional dancer, if you're making money, if you make your living dancing, yeah. yes, then you're a professional dancer. If you're making. You're living, doing whatever. Is that sort of, that's the definition? You have to be, you have to make the entirety of your living, doing the thing to be a professional, whatever the thing is?
0: I think that's right. So technically, <clears throat> if you're not receiving, if you make love with someone and you don't receive funds for it, you're an amateur institute, not a prostitute.
1: Wow. Yeah. I've never... I've never made that connection. You've got a
0: hobby in amateur stitution.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, shoot for the stars, you know I mean? That's got something for me to work. I think so. I can, Uh, uh, I'm in. Yeah. Give it a, I'll give it a shot. Maybe
0: there's, I don't know. There should be a union. um, so um you're no doubt you've watched the patrick swayze film roadhouse a lot of times to try to mm-hmm. like understand your role better
1: uh no, it's been a long time uh-huh. i did just get like looped into this like local nightlife facebook thing and they're like be on the lookout for these two dudes who are like going around and starting fights and this and that and the other thing and i'm just like "Fuck, i'm not i'm not that guy i'm not the guy who's like trying to I'm not I don't want to bounce people basically all I do is call the cops like that's my whole role if shit gets sideways I
0: feel like Bellingham you live in Bellingham it's quaint there it's a quaint place you shouldn't
1: there should be no fisticuffs um yeah but it's uh it's weird it's weird there's a bar actually not far from the one that I work called the waterfront and uh uh shit what's his face the green river killer green oh, no. river serial killer yeah i think he hung out there for a while and uh-huh. uh what was the the charming guy that he was like a he went to law school um and he was like good looking and oh. very unassuming and you know another serial killer ted bundy ted bundy he hung out there and then the fucking dc sniper what? I think he washed. Yeah. He washed dishes. there. totally unrelated. Like they just all happened. Like this bar just attracts they need psychopaths. To, they
0: need to evaluate their hiring process. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. They definitely don't like, they won't talk to you about it. They don't like talking about it. Like you can look it up on, on the internet and read all about it. But the people who work there won't talk about it. But so it is quaint, Um, but it is, you know, like kind of in the cuts and there's a, there's a weird element. <laughs> Huh. You know, small kind of mountain town. Like I guess that sort it attracts I always had a suspicion that like the super like society's nine balls all want to go work on fishing boats or whatever. They go to Alaska, which is like, you know, as far away as you can get in America without leaving America. And so yeah. all the all the fucking kooks go there. Yeah. Um, but the kooks that like can't even get their shit together to get on the boat, <laughs> they they just stay here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah your, your story about that bar reminds me some friends of mine rented this apartment in Jersey City. This is a while back, and uh they had they got a really good deal on it, and they were surprised that it was available or something something like that and then they were they decided to have a party and they were telling some guy like the address of their place so he could come to the party He's like oh the murder the murder house. <laughs> And they were like, what? It was, yeah, the, the murder house. Yeah, the guy killed his wife in your apartment. And they, so they went back and did the research and they were like, oh, yeah, the last people who lived here before us, uh, the husband killed the wife. Uh,
1: like rented the last people to rent the place yeah. or it was a residence previous to it being a rental?
0: No, no, I think it was the last renter's didn't get the oh, deposit back because uh, of the giant bloodstain. No.
1: Yeah, no, jeez, that, that's awful.
0: I mean, that has to um, happen everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid it, it probably does. I think, you know, there's, a, there's an obligation to property owners to disclose this information. However, I think not in every state, but I think in general, it's a, it's a law. And there have been stories of people, you know, like, geez, why is this house only cost $15,000 whatever? And then they (laughs) find out that it was a total horror house before the horror house before they moved in.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just a really screaming good deal. As part of your rental agreement, you cannot dig holes in the backyard. Any holes <laughs> yeah, of any depth.
1: Don't, don't look under the floorboards. Yeah, you know when the when when the stories break with places like that, like um, the apartment building that Jeffrey Dahmer lived in, they just tore that entire thing down. Oh yeah, and I always kind of felt bad. You know, I felt bad for the other people who lived in the apartment who were just trying to make their way and live their lives. And they're just like, oh, fuck me. Are you serious? Like, right. I, I live in this total nightmare scenario. And I had no idea. Like, I thought, you know, he's just a quiet, quiet blonde guy. And now they're tearing my building down and I have to find a new place to live. I mean, granted, I don't think it's that hard to find a place to live in Milwaukee anyway, but still a real hassle for all of the other residents who happen to live there. Not as much, obviously, as the people who were murdered there. That's a bigger hassle. But Jesus, you know,
0: I I don't understand how so many murders happen. It feels like it seems like that's got to be a loud process.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I think I I don't know. I've, I'm kind. I've always kind of been into weird sort of macabre history of in cities and you know there's like the the fucking grizzly tour in LA where you can go see where the Elizabeth Short the black dahlia uh, was found and and the house where they think it happened and where the house where the Manson murders happened or oh yeah um there's a hotel called the Cecil hotel in downtown LA and all kinds of kooky shit has happened there over the years. I think uh, Richard Ramirez lived there during his spree. And it, I, you know, it's like, it's gnarly, but but <clears throat> um, I think it's just kind of like, it's interesting. It's always been interesting to me since I was in high school to think about and to learn about the things, the extreme measures people go to, to satisfy whatever they're, thing is you know their, whether it's their it's, mania yeah i mean whether it's it's like sexual extremes or spiritual extremes or you know whatever the thing is like some people uh relax by playing hacky sack or you know playing the saxophone and some people uh you know go on killing sprees it's just so fucking weird that we're the same animal yeah we're all the same animal but we're like essentially live on different rungs of the evolutionary ladder.
0: Well, the thing, the thing for me is there are these people who are out there really having homicidal thoughts and urges and Mm -hmm. like, we're, we're still a social animal. Like, even if you, like, you still have a mom or you still have a roommate or you still have coworkers. And yet, you know, like it always comes out after Oh, yeah. I knew that wasn't going really well. Like what? I mean, okay, I know you're not supposed to call the cops and go. This guy definitely seems like a murderer. (laughs) You can't just Uh say that. But um, that we we maintain enough social space in our society for people who are like,
1: you know, I'm thinking about killing and eating some dudes. Yeah. And I know why is that, why is there, why are there power tools run being run in the apartment, you know, apartment buildings, at least in my experience, historically aren't terribly well insulated. Yeah. So how is it even, even if you, even if somebody isn't being dismembered in the apartment next door, yeah, like can you do fucking construction during the day? Yeah. You know, like that by itself there's power tools being run at night that by itself that's a murder is an annoyance at, <laughs> at best and, 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 uh, hyper suspicious, potentially dangerous. Right. Well, this worse.
0: is my point. I think killing people is loud, whether it's during the process <laughs> of, or
1: that, that would be a good name for a fanzine. Killing people is loud. Killing people is loud. Yeah. I'm add that to pull out my dictaphone, make a little recording note to self. Killing people Killing is people loud. Is loud. Yeah. So we're off track. Let's talk about bikes. Are we going to like continue talking about shitting ourselves? Or the other topic was maybe... Fuzzy buddies. How bikes. wonderful it is to have an animal in your life.
0: Yeah. Well, I can tell you just from my recent health situation, I've spent a lot of time with my own fuzzy buddy who mm-hmm. is named Django and came... So the backstory for my dog, and this is... Um, some parts of this are true and some parts of this are just possibly true (laughs) is that um, he
1: walked in on his hind legs wearing a (laughs) bow tie one day and he said hello John hello sir
0: Um, (laughs) no Django is from Arkansas and he was born in a dumpster behind a pizza hut that's that's the story
1: I I had a pizza hut dumpster dog when I was in high school yeah all of the best dogs come from pizza hut dumpsters I
0: think so And and so this story about Django, which is very possible, uh, developed because when you get a dog and we got Django when he was two or three, we we got him. He came up to Massachusetts where I live by somebody in who was, quote unquote, rescuing him (laughs) I think until until you know where that dog is going, the, the jury's out on the rescue. But anyway, um, uh, you get a new dog. People are like, "Oh, what is he?" And so I was like, "What do you mean? What is he?" And like, they were like breed or yeah, he's a dog. They want to know breed. Everyone's like, <laughs> "Well, what breed is he?" And I'm like, "Well, like I don't." Nerd. Yeah, so I developed the breed dumpster dog.
1: Yeah, he's a DD. D squared.
0: Yeah. He ate, a. he, uh, was born eating stuffed crust pizza and, mm. um, he's real toothed. Uh, he's what I would call ugly, uh, but in a really endearing way. Yeah. Uh, in fact, my wife and I, we're.
1: That's actually, that's been, you, that's just, you just described me and, <laughs> and I as well. So
0: snaggle toothed and ugly, uh,
1: and uh, but ugly, but in an endearing, endearing way, endearing
0: way. Yeah, I think you uh. and Django have a lot in common. I mean, I don't, I can't <laughs> smell you, I don't, I don't think I've ever smelled you. Um, oh, uh, well, I can say for sure, I've never smelled you, but um, Django is sort of like, um, coarse, he's not soft, um, and mm-hmm. he smells bad. His breath is like, um, You know, have you ever been to a fishing pier, but like when the boats are all in, Mm, mm -hmm. that's what his breath smells like. Mm. Um, So he's ugly. He's not soft to the touch. He smells bad. um, But we are like
1: horribly in love with him. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think... Anybody, I don't understand, like people get animals and they're like, well, we had a kid and I we now give the animal away. Like what? it was just, the animal was like a place setter or something, you know, or like a, like a, like a placekeeper. And then when the kid comes along, you get rid of the animal. Or I heard a story, this woman who I used to work with had a friend whose cat ate some thread and the thread got tangled around its tongue. So they took it into the vet and the vets like, you know, it's an $800 bill and they were like, and just... put the cat to sleep like how, how the fuck does anybody commit to being a steward to an animal until it becomes an inconvenience like that drives me fucking crazy and another thing I wouldn't ever be able to work in a vet's office because I'd be like the crazy guy with a billion dogs and a billion cats because people were inconvenienced and wanted to put them down Or they had to move and they put them to they need to put them to sleep because they don't want to put that animal through the stress of moving or something like that shit just drives me fucking crazy.
0: Yeah. 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 It's weird. I don't I don't understand. Uh, There's two two ways that there's two ways the thing can go. There's either like I have this animal, but I don't respect it as a living thing. And Mm -hmm. so I don't treat it the way I should or um, I like I. I don't want to offend a bunch of people, but like the whole like I'm a dog mom uh thing is sort of like. It, they're not children, it's a different kind of relationship, it's a great <laughs> yeah. relationship, it's just not the same.
1: Yeah, I don't. I never. Somebody just asked me recently, like when when I had my cat. They were like, "Were you like cat dad?" And I was like, "No, that's no, no, that's gross." We're like bros. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just we're just homies. Yeah. Like so, <clears throat> cyclocross superstar Gina Hall as an old friend of mine, and she had a couple cats, and this little ragamuffin tabby showed up on her door or him and his brother. And she was taking care of him. And then the brother maybe got adopted out or maybe got, 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 got caught, got, got by coyotes or something. And so at one point she asked me, Hey, do you want a cat? And I was like, well, maybe I'm finally in a place where I'm kind of feeling like responsible enough to take care of an animal. And, and he came and lived with me and it, like we developed a pretty, uh, pretty fast relationship a uh, pretty intense relationship. And it was like, it was like, um, kind of like a sibling, kind of like a sibling relationship. You know, like I always referred to him as sort of like a living security blanket, like <laughs> the sun rose and set on this animal as far as I was concerned. And, um, when I was living in Santa Cruz, he ate something. I think he ate a piece of cork or something. Cause I lived next to this super white trash lady who just collected her garbage in the backyard. And I think he got over there and probably found a little something that he didn't have any teeth either. Like I had to get most of his teeth pulled when I first got him. So he just sort of snarfed down this or scarfed down this piece of cork and it got stuck in his system somewhere and they had to do exploratory surgery and the emergency surgery. He was staying in the ER for like four or five days or something. And when the bill finally came, I think it was like 11 or $12,000 and I had to have, like I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to give up on him. You know, if 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 this is the thing that was going to make it okay, make him okay, like I was going to do it. I had bikes to sell, I had a record collection to sell, but I did have to sit down and kind of have a come to Jesus meeting with myself like how far am I going to put myself into debt um you know for the well-being of this animal and I realized like I'll do anything. Like I'll do anything. I'll I will put myself I'll make myself homeless if it means that he's going to be okay. I will give him away, you know, like I'll live in the street, I'll get back on my feet again and then I'll get, I'll figure out some way. Like there was no way. And you know, when you commit that much to an animal um, being a steward obviously means you feed it and you give it shelter and you socialize it or whatever, but you also have to make the hard call you know, and end life stuff, like where you have to nod to the vet or the, or the, you know, the house call vet or whoever comes and say like, yes. And now I'm having the hard conversation where I'm telling you that I want you to put my animal to sleep, like my shadow, you know, my familiar. I did it. It's the fucking, I've done it twice now and it is just absolutely incapacitating. I've never... I never thought I could feel so much inconsolable grief, you know? So that's where my relationship is with my animals. Like I give everything I have to them and, um, you know, having to leave Oakland and having to leave the cat that came in and just kind of showed up at my house shortly after buddy died. Um, He was really, he was a savior, you know, like he pulled me out of a really dark place and having to leave him behind was again, it just, it it just amplifies uh, the, the sadness of, you know, the whole situation. Like I didn't know, you know, like I fucking for a little bit, I felt like I just kind of lost everything, Yeah. but, but leaving my, leaving my animal behind was rough. And every day, you know, I think about it every day. I hate it. Yeah. They really touch us in a way that, <clears throat> that is indescribable, you know? Yeah. I, and I feel, I'll say, well, I'm sorry. I'll just say one last thing. Anybody that, that doesn't relate to the, the relationship with their animal to that degree. Like, I, I kind of feel sorry for them. You know, anybody that would be like, oh, I'm moving. Just put it to sleep. Or "I we have a kid, just give it away. <laughs> like, this is, this is heart shit. This is like soulmate stuff, you know? And if, if you are actually incapable of feeling that, like, I feel pity for you.
0: Yeah. I, I would say I didn't get it. Like I grew up with a cat. I really wanted the cat. I had a lot of good times with the cat, but then I like went away to school and the cat stayed and I don't know. I was busy with my life. And I thought about the cat, but I didn't, it wasn't like, I don't know. It was not the same sort of relationship. And then we got a dog. My wife and I got a dog. Uh, We got a Puerto Rican street dog named Eddie and Eddie and I were just best friends. Like we went everywhere mm-hmm. together, we did everything together. I I would tell people that Eddie spoke English or understood English but didn't speak it. So mm-hmm. if I was in my truck and we were like rattling along, I'd be like, "Man, the weather really sucks." And Eddie would look at me with this look that was like, "Yeah, I know, right?" And then uh and that's just how it was, me and Eddie. And then Eddie was getting old i think he it was right around the time he turned 13 i started to like worry all Mm -hmm. the time i was like eddie's 13 like i am not going to be able to deal
1: yeah you kind of you kind of see what's coming
0: yeah yeah so it was like all the time i had this anxiety about losing eddie and then he made it to 14 and Similar to your story, he got in the neighbor's yard and into their compost and ate a bunch of coffee grounds or something like that. And I was away on a business trip and I came back and he was like horribly ill and he's 14. Like he was definitely. A a shadow of the dog that he had been. And Mm -hmm. uh, we went through a bunch of stuff with the vet and they were like. This is this is the end. Um, yeah. And so, but like they, they let you tell them that. Um, and so we had Eddie put down as I hope somebody would put me down in the same, just to be clear. I don't think the circumstances are that different for how I should be treated and how Eddie should be treated. Like if I'm in the shape that Eddie's in, I hope that somebody will be like, yeah. Uh,
1: it, call it.
0: Call yeah. It call it. Um, um, So yeah, I held Eddie while they put him down and it was and I was blubbering and it was a nightmare. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people said, like, Are you gonna get another dog? And I was like, Whoa I can't get another dog. Like I am. Yeah. Like I'm, right now. I'm fucked like, up uh, about this.
1: Yeah. Are you, are you seriously asking like, I don't fucking know. Pro- maybe sometime. Right. This isn't, right. This isn't a conversation I'm I have the capacity to have right now though.
0: The huge realization for me after I lost Eddie was that the, the beauty of the relationship was that Eddie didn't talk. Right. Like, Everything he communicated, he communicated sort of viscerally, Mm -hmm. right? Like with affection or curiosity or whatever. But it's just such an uncomplicated relationship. I know exactly what he needs from me. And I know and he knows exactly what I want from him. And we're just like, yeah, got it. Yeah. Without talk. There's never any drama. Okay, occasionally he shits on the rug. You know, like, who doesn't? I just think, (laughs) I just think, like, it's just such a beautifully simple, like, perfectly efficient relationship. Yeah, And that sounds shitty if I say it's efficient, but what I just mean is that it's like, no more, he doesn't want more from me than I have, and I don't want more from him than he has, and it's just, like, works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a uh, beautiful way to describe it. I I miss, I miss buddy every day and he'll show up like sometimes, uh, one time my wife and I were doing yoga maybe like a year ago and I was like, holy shit, like just startled. I was like, buddy just walked between us and she just kind of went like blank and was like, yeah, I saw that. And I walked into the bathroom <clears throat> here in my place and the other morning and he like, he ran in. And it is, it's not like I'm thinking about it. I'm going in, I'm bleary eyed. I'm like going to brush my teeth or wash my face or whatever. I'm not, it's not even on my mind and he's there and it just fucking like lost, I lost it, you know, I sat down and kind of had a moment with him Hmm. before he was off Hmm. doing other stuff. I had a a meeting. This is going to probably sound super hokey, but. I've had two meetings with this woman named Karen A. Anderson, <clears throat> who's a medium and she's like an animal communicator or whatever. And I had one meeting before Buddy died. And then I had another, I, she has a really cool book called The Amazing Afterlife of Animals. Um, and I had another meeting with her <clears throat> after he died and it was just, it was just the heaviest thing. Like she was describing stuff that there's no way she could have known. And she was naming grandparents, like the only two grandparents I knew but she named them both by name. <clears throat> and you know, like it was just whatever some, somebody's going to be like, you know, she could Google you or she, it's like a, like a, uh, uh what what's it called? what's it called when you read your astrological sign a horoscope like you read a horoscope and you're like no way I did see a guy with a red shirt on today or whatever it's just like you can right. make things fit into the into the uh sort of the storyline or whatever you can kind of make things jam things into fit the narrative but this was this exchange with this woman was particularly uncanny And she said that, you know, they do come back from time to time. And I I asked her, I said, this was really hard. I said, am I going to see him again? And she said, I said, will he come back? And she said, yeah. And I asked her to ask him to make it obvious because I'm pretty dense. (laughs) You know, like I would hate to miss it if if he comes back in a couple of years and and, then, and like I didn't catch the signs. And she said that she would. She said that she'd let him know and that he would. So all of this stuff in the interim, I'm just kind of. uh, I'm just kind of waiting, mm. you know, and it's still like it still fucks me up. It's been years, but it just it was such a huge piece of my heart that he took with me. Yeah. And like I just said, you know, like for people not to be able to, for people not to be able to relate to this, I think is a real pity. Like, I feel sorry for, for anybody who can't, who can't feel that kind of depth. Yeah. Fuck.
0: Take us. take a second. You're all right.
1: Yeah. Anyway. I would pour my coffee out on the ground for him, but then I'd have to clean it up. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I'm back. Yeah.
0: Eddie, Eddie, Sorry. if I spill my coffee, Eddie would drink that. He was like, <laughs> he was like a real street dog. Anything that hit the floor, it could be like a dust bunny. And he'd be like, oh, I, I, I fucking ate it.
1: <laughs> I wish I was in a position to get like, I would love some dogs. And people are like, oh, you're, you're a cat person. I'm like, no. Nope. No, I just, animals are fucking cool. I like animals more than people. I'm not a nerd about it. I don't have like coffee. Well, actually I do have a coffee mug with a picture buddy on it, but I don't have like, you know, like doilies or or oven mitts or like right. shirts with cats on them or, or anything. It's not like I think one kind of animal is is superior to another. I just really think animals are, I like animals more than people, but if I could have... A Little piece of land, and I could have a couple cats, and I could have a couple dogs. And I grew up with dogs, and we had acreage, so it, it wasn't like you had to walk them. You know, you just the dog wants out, you let them out, dog wants in, you feed them at three o'clock. They sleep in my bed, mm. they're pinned during the day, so they don't get any scrapes with bears or mountain lions or whatever. And then we come home and we let them run around. And I mean, it was just like that was a perfect relationship, they were just kind of. Free range.
0: Well, I ju- I just think it's that they, you know, they don't have wild expectations of us. They don't. Uh, I mean, sometimes I feel like Django is really needy. Like he does this thing where he like will reach out with his paw and like take your hand and drag it to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but and he's not discerning either. Like if a, if we have people over, he'll go from person to person. Like you know. Give me, give me some yeah. um, so he's demanding but again it's endearing and and uh um it's just not to complicated be he's not bring, yeah. he's not he's not like oh and if you don't buy me uh uh an ipad i'm you know it's not you don't love me sufficiently like there's no there's no nothing except like simple dog energy affection yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it so much. I miss it desperately. Uh Oh, one thing I was going to mention about the about his bad breath. Yeah. And I don't know if this works for everybody, but <clears throat> do you give him probiotics? No. Like you can just get a capsule. Like a there's a Biocult is this one kind. Um, but I've recommended it to people for, for breath or like skin issues, eczema, Yeah, like gut health is pretty foundational to all kinds of health, but you just sprinkle a little bit of it on his food. And I bet you, you know, within a few weeks, I bet it would make his breath a little better.
0: Oh, I'll look at that. Definitely. Because he, he has this habit of like coming straight up in my face and then yawning, which is a little to me, like your front wheel flick where you, where you soaked your buddy, (laughs) It's kind of yeah. like
1: Django's trick. Like, yeah. let me share this with you. I bet people who listen to this don't realize that not only are we neuroscientists, yeah, and certified therapists, yeah, and medical doctors, medical doctors, yep, but we are also veterinarians as well. Yeah, we know so. I've been to so many doctor schools <laughs> over the years. I'm certified in everything.
0: Oh, so many doctor schools. So, Am I right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what was you, what were you saying? Like we, we do not, we're not doing science any harm.
0: Here. Yeah. At we, one point we, when we
1: were between the two of us, we couldn't complete a sentence about uh, something that we were talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I read an article about it or uh, somebody told me so. Oh, fuck. I don't know. What I, I read a
0: book about. one time. I, I forget what it's called, but here's the authoritative information I received. (laughs) Ah,
1: That's funny. Yeah. So anyway, probiotics, if your dog has bad breath, but it's good for their stomach and skin and hair. Or if you as a human
0: have bad breath.
1: Oh, probiotics are good for people too. And once you get off of your run of antibiotics, like loading up on some good high count, whatever it would be described as high quality probiotics to get all the good flora and fauna and whatever back in your system. Yeah. Do that shit like a motherfucker and probably eating yogurt. Isn't a bad
0: idea either. Do that shit like a motherfucker, which is funny because that's what my doctor says to me about a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, He's like, see, I'm going to write your was...
0: prescription for do- doxycycline. Do that shit like a motherfucker is what he yeah. says.
1: See, that said yeah. that was a term that I learned in doctor school,
0: straight out of doctor school, doctor university. Uh,
1: here, are we at like an hour or so? I think. Yeah, it's about? time for us to wrap up. Okay, uh, I got nothing to conclude with. Um, love your friends, love your family, be nice to each other.
0: Love you your know, pets. Uh,
1: love your pets. Well, I kind of was cl- including them with family, but fair enough. Yeah, be nice to yourself. I've gotten a lot of I've <clears throat> gotten a lot of really uh, amazing feedback from people. Um, some of which I've shared with you and some of which I've not, you know, periodically I'll get a message on, uh, through Instagram or through my website or an email or text message or whatever. And, um, it feels like whatever this nonsense that we cover from week to week is, is, uh, landing with people and people are feeling good about it. And, and I think, you know, even a couple of people have said that they've engaged in, um, some sort of mental health process for themselves, which feels really good to me. Yeah. You know?
0: One would like, be a massive victory and make all the, <laughs> I mean, I like talking to you. So like none of this time to me is wasted anyway, but even if this was work and one yeah. person went and got help, one got help with their mental health situation, it would be worth all the time.
1: Yeah. 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 And I have, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if, uh, you have had uh similar responses or, you know, if like your friends are listening to it or, or strangers or whatever, and anybody's reaching out to you, but it seems like, um, people stuck through the first, whatever, six episodes, which were pretty trying. Yeah. Uh, and I think that things have gotten better since, and I hope that they continue to get better. Now that I'm in the closet, uh, maybe it's, it's easier to listen to, but anyway, thank you to everybody for the, for the good feedback, the critical feedback. And, and I'm not opposed to, um, constructive criticism either. If, if anybody has any ideas about how to make it better or something you'd like us to talk about, um, clearly we have covered all of the topics now, including shitting ourselves and fuzzy buddies within a single episode. That's right. My I friend, cried a little bit too.
0: My friend, you did cry a little bit. It's good. It's cathartic. My friend, Kimberly did get in touch with me, um, to correct some Bible, Facts that I got wrong in one of the early episodes where we were talking uh, about yeah, we're Sodom and Gomorrah as well. Yeah, we were talking about <laughs> yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah, and I was like, "Well, I think Sodom was the bad place and Gomorrah was the good place." She's like, "No, they were both bad places." And so her constructive criticism was to: cons- any time we want to talk about the Bible, she teaches Bible classes at her church, and um, she's like, "You fucked that up." And I was like, ah. okay, I'll bring you in for the next
1: Bible-related discussion. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and what the hell is she doing listening to this shit anyway? Like, she's, <laughs> she's on a fast track to hell just for that alone. I know.
0: I know. Um, <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's important to understand Satan if you're going to battle him. <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: Fair point. I
0: think you and I, I both represent have, the satanic point of view in some, in to one degree or another.
1: Yeah. I want to have more guests too. It was at some point, I don't know when Amanda K. Brian is going to be featured on the show, but that's, you know, that was whatever a few episodes ago. That was a lot of fun. Maybe, maybe we could have her back and talk about more stuff and she could pack herself in the closet with me. That'd be, I'd like that. Any Amanda she's, time
0: would be good for me.
1: Oh God. She's so fun to talk to. I think she's just the greatest. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, anyway, yep. thanks, buddy. Thank you. And um, uh, this is Steve and Robot telling you to not forget to suck it. Don't